Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Becoming CEO AF podcast. I'm your host, Kimba Garcia. And I am your co-host, Amanda Bell. And today, you guys, we have Randolph Love with us. And let me tell you just a little bit about Randolph. You guys, we met Randolph when we were in Florida at the Fix and Flip Rehab Boot Camp that Kimba and I did with Anthony a couple months ago at this point. And Randolph actually spoke unannounced, if you will, in the middle of the boot camp about financial wealth and what to do with the money once we've got it. And he immediately caught my attention. Not only did he catch my attention, he, with the financial wealth part, he also caught my heart, if you will, while we were sitting at the lunch dinner table later that evening, that afternoon, he shared with me not only books, the traction book, which I'll let you talk about in just a minute, Randolph, but a lot of knowledge. And he truly believes in growing in his life with other people. He knows that as he helps others make money, he in return also becomes prosperous. So I absolutely fell in love with Randolph. And Randolph, I'm super excited to hear more about your story, where you were at, how you got to where you are today, and where you're headed with the people that you're that you're aligning with along the way. Absolutely, thank you so much for the invitation. Uh, I had the same experience when I met y'all. It's like that energy, you feel it. You know, a lot of people use that, ah, they had great energy. They had, no, y'all had amazing energy. And even when people were coming in, y'all were making conversations. You know, a lot of people that come to those, they just sit there quiet. Y'all went, y'all didn't force it. But y'all, y'all encouraged it, y'all facilitated it, and then people got to know y'all and got more comfortable and were ready to learn. So, now nah, that was a great uh, event, definitely. Such a fun event, such mm-hmm. a fun event. So, Randolph, where did you start before? What attracted you to the finance field? I just, I have so much love and appreciation for that. I'm actually certified with Harvard in leading with finance, and I did that for my clients in real estate and then for the clients at CEO AF. So I'm I'm more than intrigued by how you found a passion for it because it doesn't sound like you were already in finance before. Actually, so yeah, so the way it worked was just like a lot of people, I got into insurance until, right? (laughs) I'm going to do insurance until... Uh, I figure out what I'm going to do. It just until hasn't happened yet. So uh, I started in my 20s, uh, over 13 years ago at this point, right? To where, all right, uh, let me just figure out how this works. I was an agent for one of the biggest insurance carriers in the United States. But uh, the type of agent that I was, was I was the agent that helped you after hours, right? So whenever, because uh, what happened was, well, Apple, I think Apple was the first company to do 24-hour customer service. And then once they did it, everybody had to do it, right? So whenever the agents would close their physical doors, if you were to call this agency or anywhere in the United States, you would get me, right? And I would be the one that helped you get policy started and doing all of that stuff. Uh, I did it for over seven years, you know, the number of completion, right? I, I did it, right? But it's one of those things where I knew I wanted to do more, not just the property and casualty side, and the reason why insurance, I don't, most people don't know this, insurance and financial services, they go hand in hand. Uh, usually in most states, the insurance and financial services are handled by the same departments because it's not about how much you make, it's how much you keep. And insurance helps mitigate what you lose when something happens. So the, the, to make a long story short, I decided I wanted to transition into just helping people 
uh, not as a, a corporate worker, but as a, a, a entrepreneur, a independent business owner. And I was skeptical. So I, I go down to Miami just to relax, to recreate, right? Uh, what else does recreate spell? Create. Recreate. So when you recreate, you recreate. So I like, let me go, let me go recreate down in Miami to get my mind straight. And I was getting to the point to like, well, let me just keep this little cushy job, right? So I get on the plane to head back. Uh, I don't know if y'all ever flew Southwest, right? Yeah. But you know, it's, it's very economical. And one of the ways it's economical is you get on that plane, you pick a seat. It's, it's no assigned <laughs> seating, you pick a seat. And back then, I was one of those people that I always wanted to be closest to the plane because I wanted to get off first. Now, I don't care where, I, I sit in the back of the plane and wait for everybody to get off. I don't care, right? But back then, I wanted to be the first one to get off the plane. And soon as I got on the plane, there was that, that infamous middle seat, right? But it was between two, uh, let's say, very healthy individuals, right? <laughs> right. So, there. But, but, but I'm but, like, were you on our plane? <laughs> right? Hey, listen, I, 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 it's the other kind of healthy, right? But check me out. So now we're 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 I, I see it and I say, is that seat taken? And they look at me like I was crazy. But nah, I I, I needed to you know I, needed a seat. Yeah, I get I off the plane seat. first. Let's do it. Yeah. Now I'm on the plane and before we take off. I don't know how this initiated. It must have been her because I, at that point, I wasn't that guy that starts conversations with people on the plane. But uh, that's a hack. If, you, if you're flying on a plane, wait for them to deliver like drinks and food and just ask a quick question. Engage the energy. If, 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 they're, if they're coming at you, boom, now you might have a contact. But at that time, I wasn't that guy. But before we got off the tarmac, she's telling me, Everything she's been doing for the past seven weeks. She was an independent adjuster. She made $50,000 in the past seven weeks. And I'm like, and she said she's never been in the insurance industry a day in my life. And here I am in the insurance industry seven plus years, considering what she had already done. I got off that plane within a week. That same day I put in my resignation. And within a week I was out already doing my own thing. So how I got into it was I've already been a chartered financial consultant. I've already was a chartered life underwriter. And I just applied that knowledge, connecting the dots of all the different industries that I've been a part in. And now I help people as much as I can. Oh my gosh, Randolph. I just love your whole story. Mm -hmm. One, I love how you jumped into the insurance field for a until moment, yeah. until, because uh, I did the exact same thing in real estate, man. The truth is, is I was wanting to get out of the seven days a week work schedule and, and thought that going and getting licensed real quick would be something that would replace the income that I was already accustomed to making. Yeah. Um, and so then coming into real estate, I found that that is my forever home. I absolutely love mm, it. So yeah. to hear you find your long-term connection of the dots, it's what I found similar with being in Texas and and then in Florida and now picking up investment properties in Mexico. I've just had so much fun doing it and come to find out it was not an until. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it, was, oh, yeah. it was the starting point of connecting the rest of the dots to come. So I love that. Oh yeah, until never happens. <laughs> so let me ask you this, on your flight here to Dallas, did you make a new connection? Absolutely. Woo! Absolutely, like once again, it's just about talking. I think it was, uh, what was it? The It was the flight attendant actually, the connection that I made okay. because uh, I wanted apple juice and she didn't have apple juice. It was on the other tray. So it forced us to have to have a, a, a conversation again. She gave me my drink 
And then she uh, got the apple juice, and I, I com- commented how thoughtful and mindful she was to even after dealing with all these people to come back here. And then she asked what people typically ask when they talk to me, what do you do? Boom. And then it goes from there. Here's my card. Here's my contact. I help people make money, make babies. And then we go from there. I love that so much. (laughs) I know you guys can already get a feel and a vibe for Randolph's whole soul. Um, he, He points out the obvious, right? He points out the thoughtfulness, the gratitude, the blessings that come his way. He points out the creation in life. And, uh, and helping other souls in this world naturally help himself, right? So getting a whole feel for your vibe, Randolph, is really what it's all about for me, and that's where you stood out. I am curious, how have you always been that person that's been quite centered and aligned and, and truly found a blessing in every ounce of life, or was there a pivotal moment that you could share with us? Now, I was one of those people, I, I distinctly remember, uh, I don't know if, uh, y'all elementary schools do this in Texas, but in Florida, one of the things that a lot of elementary schools would do is they would take kids to the senior citizens' home. So now you have uh, the youngest of humans interacting with the uh, oldest of humans, right? We and, did that at my school too. Oh, yeah, I it, did love that. It was it was beautiful, and, and I remember it. Uh, I, I mean, I, I remember a lot of stuff from when I was younger, but I think I must have been maybe five years old and ever since then that was the first person that told me that I had an old soul right and usually when people tell you you have an old soul that that, that's their way of saying that you you're wise you just said something very wise you have an old soul so I've always had uh the wisdom of knowing uh that I don't know everything and and taking different concepts and understanding that all truths are parallel typically what's workable in one thing is workable in another thing. Uh, but there you go. But I, I didn't know everything that I know now. I knew I didn't know everything. Like at one point I thought it was possible to learn everything. And, and then I realized the more you know, the more you know, the more you don't know. And, and, and it, was, it was devastating. Like when I first realized that every time I learned something new, I realized that something else exists and I have to learn. It, I, I shut down maybe for a month, right? I'm like, I, I, I can't do it. But once I embraced it, okay, the more I learn, the more I learn, the more I need to learn, and then it goes. So I've always been the person who looked for the silver lining, but I have not always been the person that has the knowledge I have. I might have thought I knew yeah. at one point, but as I got older, uh, more wiser, I said, okay, I don't know everything. And there are people, I need a team. I can't do it all alone. I need to find people like Amanda, people like Kimba, people like uh, uh, Joe, Joseph Kreiner, who in- introduced me. I need to find people like that and tap into their genius, learn, glean what I can l- glean because that's their genius. I, I probably would never be as good as what they're good at, but I can pick up something that works for them in their genius that works for me in my genius. 
I love that so mm -hmm. much. I love your whole soul. I just can't even scream it to the oh, rooftops. Man. Give me that. Um, so super cool because Kim and I believe in the exact same thing, by the way. So 100% aligning with everything you're saying. Something that that's actually how CEO AF came to where it's at today was knowing that everything in life is parallel, exactly like what you're saying. Mm -hmm. So the things that Amanda learned over here in real estate and how to grow a team and do it with other individuals and the way that Kemba learned how to grow RKG and do it with the team and other individuals were able to come together and be meshed and formed what CEO is today. Um, so I absolutely love that you say it's all parallel and it truly takes a team. We believe in the tribe 100%. Oh, yeah. 100%. Glean from those uh, energies. And, and something that I, you shared it and you said you got it from Kimba was uh, I think the coffee thing, right? Yeah. So after I left y'all, like for for example, anybody don't know, uh, Whataburger is the devil. I'm just joking, yeah. but <laughs> but so I'm like unless you're up at two a.m. Yeah, because you're still drinking. Exactly, exactly. So I'm eating this uh, uh, sweet and spicy bacon burger from Whataburger, and I, and I'm like, this is a terrible burger. I can't stand this burger. I hate this. It, what I even though it's it's direct conflict with what my. Uh, these uh, chemical juices in my brain are telling me, I'm saying, ah, oh, this is terrible. This is now, like I said, I can ride right by it, not even think about it, and, and, and it works. Oh, but I quick. picked that up from not just talking, listening. Yeah. Uh, I say, um, whenever somebody tells me they have an issue with somebody, like somebody that they've known for a while, and I say, well, oh, what's their family like? Oh, I don't know nothing. Okay, uh, what they do for recreation? I don't know nothing. Oh, all right, so what's their dream? What's their, I don't, that means whenever y'all together, all you do is talk. Yep. That's why y'all having issues. Cause you obviously don't care nothing, cause you don't know nothing about them. So, right. and once again, it's me just sitting there and listening and asking questions. I don't know the answers. I don't know the answers. I, I, I'm, I'm here with Amanda. I'm just going to listen. Yep. And, that, and then you gave me that, that nugget that you got from Kimba and uh, Kimba might be able to share where she got it from, but that a person that I never met before, you got it from them, then you gave it to her, and then she gave it to me, I would have never got it if I didn't just shut up. Oh my I love that. So just to share briefly, so we don't get too far down a rabbit hole, but that actually came from, I'm an NLP practitioner, so neurolinguistic programming. Nice. So I study the way that internal and external language deals with our internal operation system. So mm -hmm. when coffee started messing with my stomach, I just felt like, my stomach's hurting every time I drink, and not in a great way. Like, some people are like, drink my coffee and go to the bathroom. And I'm like, that is not what I'm talking about. It was hurting my digestive system. <laughs> and I knew that. So I was like, I've got to rewire my mind around this addiction to this caffeine that I have in the morning. So I was meditating on the taste of coffee is bad for me. The taste of coffee is bad for me, which is what you did mm -hmm. with Whataburger mm -hmm. while you were actively eating. Because you're like, you're programming your mind with language to say, the taste of this is bad for me. Yeah. I don't even like this. And now when you have that smell, because we all know you smell Whataburger when you drive by. You don't mm -hmm. just see it. Mm -hmm. it. It's encapsulating every sense when you mm -hmm. drive by a Whataburger. But you don't have that same reaction. In fact, you kind of go, eh. Because yeah. your brain is now wired in through that language that oh, yeah. that's a, bad for me. What a tool that y'all What a tool. That's so beautiful. And I'm sitting over here smiling while y'all are talking because, you know, Amanda and I do the same things on the plane. Mm -hmm. We always, we make friends everywhere we go. We always make it the intention to be aligning and connecting with people. 
And my question for you real quick, Randolph, I want to just briefly dive, because when you were, when I met you in Florida, and you got, at first, I thought you were the photographer in the back. You got up there and started talking finance. I was like, yeah. who is this guy? Like, I'm mind blown right now. But you got it there. You started talking about all kinds of different policies, different trust, ways to protect our assets as we're, because people that are moving in real estate are moving money around. And yeah. how, how do we protect those assets as we grow mm -hmm. and build them is really, because you said at the beginning of this podcast, it's not just about the money you make, it's about the money that you keep. Yeah. So as you're out here moving real estate, moving money, doing these deals, how do we make sure that we protect the assets and we keep the assets that we're building? And that's what you do for people, Absolutely. which I was like, well, what a great thing to have at the real estate flip boot camp, right? Like, thank God this guy's here. I don't know where he came from, but I'm uh -huh. grateful. So could you just dive in and tell our audience a little bit more, Randolph, about specifically what you do and who you do it for? Like, who, who do you help and what do you help them with? Absolutely. So what I do is I help people have the option of retiring comfortably and successfully in 10 to 15 years or less. Because one thing that you realize once you have that option, once again, when you recreate, you recreate, right? So I just want to give you the option. And then once you have the option, do whatever you want to do with it. So what I do is I use insurance vehicles to do this, right? So in every civilization that has ever failed prior to the civilizations that exist now, the last institution to fall has always been the insurance. Whatever is the insurance purpose of that, uh, that civilization, they're the last institution to fall. Uh, why is that important? Because, you know, a lot of people know that currency is just what they call fiat currency, right? It's, it's not actual money. It's, 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 it's basically a representation of something of value. But if you keep printing so much of it, the value continues to drop, which is why a lot of stuff is going on to where they're like, all right, you're giving us this currency that's losing value every year, but we're sending you uh, products and commodities that keep going and who's getting the short end of the stick like that's what's starting a lot of these uh you know different nations right that's having conversations but that being said regardless if the world completely crumbles i'd rather my money be in an insurance company than a bank or any other type of institution because once again for what i said so uh have y'all ever watched uh um game of thrones yes Yes? No? I, no. Oh, you... I, and, and, I'm not and, a TV and, watcher. Is she one of the people that proudly, like, whenever... I, I, I've never watched Game of Thrones, right? Does she say it, like, proudly? <laughs> like, you know how some I people... I don't. I don't buff up at it. It's like, it is what it is. I just honestly don't watch... I just don't watch TV. So, I don't know if she's ever watched TV is the uh, truth, because I watched that back in 2010. So, mm -hmm. like, back before I ever... Maybe it was 2012-ish, because it was whenever mm -hmm. I was still in New Mexico. Mm -hmm. So that, so I watched it back then, but I don't even know if she's I ever... have never been a big TV oh, watcher. Oh, yeah, I mean, I, I, wish, yeah. I wish I had that skill set. I'm, I'm at the point now to where I don't, I cut it on, but I don't watch it. I'm working. Yeah. It's just like noise in the background. But the Iron Bank, that was the insurance industry. If, if, if anybody that's a familiar with uh, Game of Thrones, even the kings and queens were scared of defaulting with the Iron Bank. Once again, because yeah. that's the, so what it is is, before you, when, when y'all started this business, uh, y'all got insurance first. Y'all got insurance quotes. Mm -hmm. When you bought a new car, before anybody knew that you bought a new car, you called the insurance company, right? Mm -hmm. uh, I have some of my clients that are just now getting into the mode of purchasing new jets, right? But before they can get the jet off the ground, they got to get the pilot. 
and they got to let the pilot, they have to let the insurance company know the pilot's uh, credentials and their uh, all the stuff that they know. Then they have to insure the plane, right? Before any company uh, expands or contracts, before the public knows, the insurance companies know. Uh, I don't know if any of y'all ever seen a movie back in the day with uh, Eddie Murphy and Dan Aykroyd called Trading Spaces. But basically, they knew, just knowing what pork bellies was going to do five minutes before everybody else was the difference between billions of dollars. I said that to say this. The insurance companies know before everybody else knows who's about to do something big and who's contracting. So do you think they just let this knowledge just sit over there, this data, to the side? No, what they do is I believe they use this knowledge that they know before everybody else's knows to put their money in the right place. Just one of the carriers that I deal with has been around for 150 years plus, and on a yearly annual basis, they manage three, four billion dollars a year out of one building. Wow. Whereas uh, the United States government has thousands of employees, hundreds of buildings just to manage the same amount. That lets you know how efficient these people are. So what they do is, if we're dealing with billions, we don't mind if we make 12, uh, 12 earn 12% off our money, take 1%. What's 1% of a billion dollars? That's a lot of money. We're going to take our like, 1%. Don't give me line, Randolph. Yeah, <laughs> listen. We're going we're gonna to take our 1% and we're going to give you the 11. But because it's an insurance policy, because it's an insurance policy, it's allowed to grow tax-free. If you access it, you can utilize the money tax-free. And when you die, it blossoms and passes to your heirs tax-free. When you ask people, if, if I can have your money grow tax-free on an average of 7 to 10% a year, to where your money is doubling every 7.2 years. If, if I can do that, if I can make sure it's liquid, you can get to it within a day or a couple days. If I can make sure it's safe, you can go to sleep and not wake up tomorrow and lost 40% of your principal. If I can make sure it's predictable rates of return, for over 100 years it's been averaging at least 7 to 10%. If I can make sure it's tax favored, what would you call that? Most people call it a miracle. I call it properly structured life policies. Don't think about what it is. Think about what it does. I love that. I'm going to have to get that set up with you if you don't mind. Oh, yeah. I would love to. Yeah. I would love to. I know you would. I'm excited. And for I it. want you to review my accounts and make sure I'm properly set up for my long-term goals. Oh, no, definitely. That's what you need. One of the things that I recommend that everybody does is get a second opinion, right? Yeah. Uh, if you ask a doctor, like if they were being honest with you, they would say you would be surprised at how many incompetent doctors exist. Uh, I work with attorneys all the time. The smartest, most ambitious people I ever met are attorneys. Also, some of the dumbest are attorneys. Like, but you don't know that. And when, they, when a doctor says something or when an attorney says something, you just take that one word. Nah, you get their opinion, because I'm pretty sure you're going with them for a reason but get a second opinion. One thing that people do with me, and I, and I do it as a complimentary, complimentary is hey, let me look at what you got so you will know. Because a lot of this stuff that's commonplace knowledge to me, just like somebody, uh, a property management company that's been doing it for decades, compared to somebody who just got their first multifamily home, it's, it's something that's common knowledge to them 
it's common knowledge to me. I'm going to look right at your policy and be like, oh, that. And you, it would have never crossed your mind. Yeah. Because it's not what you do on a regular basis. Yeah. Well, I absolutely love that, Randolph. And mm-hmm. that's, that's the thing that I think people... I know I was. I guess I'll just speak for myself. But I was sleeping on for a long time. I was just letting money sit in the bank. The truth mm-hmm. is I probably should move more out of the bank and into a policy like that. My biggest concern was I still need it to be liquid because I still want to be able to move it when it's time to move it, whether it's in my business or in different investments. Mm -hmm. Um, So I absolutely was just eating up everything that you were saying at that boot camp and right now because I really think that's people think that their money is safe in the bank and we're seeing in our economy right now more than ever, like you're saying that, in fact, that may be the worst place for it. Oh, yeah, because, you know, you typically, it's two hundred and fifty thousand and below that's federally insured, right? right? But I think what they recently said was, "All right, if we like the bank, we'll insure more than two hundred and fifty. If the bank collapses, how do you know which bank they like, right? So, so first and foremost, you got two hundred and fifty is typically insured, but just like you said, yes, it's safe in the bank typically." Uh, and and you, usually you can have some confidence if it's below 250, 250 or below. But what's happening, it's earning less than 1% a year, and inflation is on average about 2 to 3%. Not these hyperinflation years that we've been having these past few years. So if something is earning less than 1%, but the cost of everything is going up on average 2 to 3%, that means every year that your money sits in a typical bank account is worth less and less and less because uh that stings a little don't it it does because i'm I'm over here making faces for those of y'all that can't are not watching this on youtube i am making faces oh yeah i mean (laughs) it it does because once again the cost of everything doubles every 14 to 15 years and once again we're just going off the averages we're not going off of what's been happening but typically the cost of everything doubles every 14 to 15 years so a lot of people when you're talking to somebody uh who's only interested in the money they're going to ask you, well, how much money do you want to live off a year? And then you're going to be going off of today's prices. And you're going to say, okay, I need $100,000 a year. But you ain't retiring for another 30 years. Yeah. That means you actually need $400,000 a year. But are they telling you that? Right? right. So when, when I go up, when I have these conversations with people that already have existing uh, financial advisors, because I, I'm, I consider myself uh, and a lot of my clients a lead advisor. When, I can't do this alone. Right. I put up a plan. You take it to your attorney, take it to your uh, accountant, take it to all these people and get their feedback. If they disagree with anything that I say, get us on the phone. Yeah. Uh, I love that. Let, 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 let's have a pay attention to who is speaking and what's the energies that's being transpired a lot of times once i have conversations with people they get it because a lot of people fall on that i've been doing this for 40 years all right experience is comparable to fashion what works one day is unworkable the next it's about principles and and as long as you keep those principles in mind which is my main focus we able to make it work and i don't want nobody to look dumb that's not my goal i i'm asking questions to see how you reached that conclusion sure. that what I just said is wrong. Yeah. And, and, and maybe I might learn something. Oh, I love that so much. Mm-hmm. So let me ask you this, Randolph, because I think it was just, um, just what, two months ago, I was calling, I called you, sister, I think. I think I called Kimba. And I was like, sister, 
We got to get our cash out of the bank, man. Mm. We can't just be leaving this money in this bank, sitting over mm. there doing absolutely nothing but possibly disappearing. Yeah. <laughs> like, like yeah, that was me. Can't do it. And so I'm sitting here and I'm just, just mm-hmm. trying to brainstorm. Do you have accounts where we can go, where we can utilize the accounts similar to we can a bank, right? That's what that's what I'm looking for today is somewhere that I can treat it like it's my business bank account, like it's my personal bank account, like it's the savings account that we have set up, right? I'm looking for those sort of accounts. Do you guys offer anything like that? Absolutely, thank you for asking. So the way it works is for majority of these carriers, you can access this money anytime you want, 24 hours a day. However, typically for the first two years, you know, it's kind of, you know, tied up. Yeah. So the sooner you get it started, the better. So what a lot of times what people do is they start a policy and they just put the minimum in, okay. right? Because once again, they want their money to be as liquid as possible. Yep. Mm-hmm. And then they wait for that time to go by and then they start dumping as much as they can. So the way it works is- I'm excited. <laughs> you, 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 want, you want the death benefit to be a byproduct. If you're interested in putting the money in this type of account, you want to put as much money as possible with the lowest death benefit as possible. Why is that? Because you don't want the cost of insurance to be eating up your gains, right? With the way I structure these policies, the cost of insurance is typically just on average about 1%, right? So if your money is, like I say, earning anywhere from 11, 12, and and I like to under-promise and over-deliver, there are years uh, and, and this is all backed up by facts to where these policies are earning 25%, wow. 30%, 40% in one year, Whew. tax-free, right? So, so, but once again, as long as somebody is comfortable, all right, with 11, hey, that's all I, let me just talk about 11%, right? All right, so what you do is you put your money in this. When you put it in, that's your cash. Then you borrow money out. A lot of people say, hold up. Borrowing, don't when I borrow, I have to pay back? Yeah, you have to pay it back eventually, when, but most people with these type of policies pay it back when they die. How does that work? All right, so just imagine you put a million dollars into one of these policies. So that's your accumulated value. Uh, and, and usually it, it's the money you put in plus any interest that you earn. So let's say uh, the money you put in plus the interest you earn, you got a million dollars in accumulated value, right? But over that time, you've borrowed out 900000 You don't actually borrow that money from your policy. They use your money as leverage. So your money is still in there. So now you just borrowed out 900000 and you're using it to invest and do whatever you want to do. But you still have a million dollars earning on average 7 to 10% a year. Even though you you're only available, so if you have a million dollars and you borrow at nine hundred, your only available cash value left now is a hundred, but your 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 money isn't growing off of that hundred, it's growing off of that million. Now, when you have a properly structured index universal life policy opposed to a whole life policy, in my opinion, a whole life is is symbolic to a horse and carriage, compared to a a properly structured index universal life Lamborghini, right? But let's say you have uh, you borrow money from a whole life policy, because they want it to be borrowing, they're going to charge you an interest rate. Now, if it's a typical whole life policy, not only is the money that you borrow going to come off of your death benefit, but the interest rate is as well. With a properly structured index universal life policy, let's say you borrow a hundred thousand dollars and they charge you four percent. 
what they immediately do is credit you 4%, right? And what people do, because there's two things that you can do with this 4%. You can keep the 4% with your money and consider it a wash loan. In my opinion, why would you do that? This is 4% that just generated out of nowhere. Or you can use that 4% to buy what they call upside options. Uh, what is an upside option? An upside option is you going to a brokerage and say, hey, I want the option to buy this stock at this price. Right now it's at $50. If it goes up to 150, 200, no matter what, I want you I want to give you this $4,000 cuz we're going off that $100,000 scenario of 4%. I want to give you this $4,000 to have the option to buy as many shares as I want and need with this money at that that low right. So if it goes up, guess what? As soon as you buy that uh, stock at $50, you can immediately sell it for 150. Now you just made a hundred dollars profit. What happens if the, uh, the stock market does, does terrible that year, then you just let the option expire. Yeah. That's four, that's four, four percent of money that you didn't even have, but it generated out of thin air because you borrowed money. They say there are only two types of people in this world, people who earn interest and people who pay interest. Y'all ever heard that before? <laughs> No, but I like it. I do too. <laughs> it's actually three types of people in this world. People who earn interest, people who pay interest, and people who understand you got to pay a little interest to get a lot of interest. Love it. That's, that's how it works. That's how the banks work. The banks borrow money from the Fed at a low interest rate. They give it to us at a higher interest rate. Yeah. And then they, then they, they take it out of the bank. They give you your less than 1% in your savings account. And then they give it to us with the life policies at that 4%. So now they just... They just made 4% out of just investing 1%. What's the difference between one and four? Three. Don't say three. No. 400%, right? So so not, they just earned that. All they're thinking about. I also was going to say three. <laughs> the reason why I asked that person, because I'd I be knowing what most people yeah. are going to say. I know I'm, that's what most people say. But really, it's about the percentages. Right. It's, and once you realize that, they paid a little interest and made a lot of interest. Now we're going to pay them a little interest and make a lot of interest. So, yes, you can treat a, a properly structured index universal life policy like a savings account as long as you're strategic uh, in what you need for those first two years. And then after the first two years, as soon as you put money in, you can take it out. So once the policy season, you can feel comfortable dumping more into it knowing that it's liquid. Because I got a really exciting text on my way here from one of my financial advisors, and he told me that one of my index policies is going to be, however he worded it, it's going to be, um, I almost want to look at the text, but whatever exciting happens in October. Yeah. It uh -huh. all gets exciting in October. Absolutely. That's what he told me. Yeah, when, when and then I have another one I've been Christmas seasoning presents. for about a year. Uh-huh. Um, that I put 60 grand in to start with a year ago and mm -hmm. it's been it's been sitting there so I've been waiting for that one to make sense for me to be able to start borrowing against it and then dumping more so I'm like you're making me so excited because I'm it, like I didn't really know what I was doing I, I did but not at the degree that you're explaining it probably to me when I set this up a year ago but I knew I would be grateful that mm -hmm. I did it when the time came and it looks like I'm knocking on the door that time all right <laughs> and, and it, it's, it's interesting you mentioned that I just started all right so this is what I did on Facebook. I announced to everybody that uh, my first baby girl was born in February of oh, this congratulations. year. Congratulations! Uh, thank you. I appreciate it. So uh, her name is Infinity. I remember. Unique love, right? Her initials are IUL, right? So yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so this is what I just did. So what I did I didn't was know that. so I 
there's there's a certain segment of society that has to see it to believe it. They don't necessarily have that faith and that vision. Yeah. You know, it is what it is. Yeah. Uh, everybody don't have what most entrepreneurs have in order to see something before it ever happens, right? Mm -hmm. So what I did was I started another uh, IUL, and I'm uh, the most I can put in it what we call the um, the um, let's see because we have to follow certain uh, rules in order for it to be stay a life policy and not an investment. So what we use is Internal Revenue Codes 101A, 7702, and 72E. Uh, Tamra, Tefra, and Defra. So basically, as long as we abide by these things and make sure it stays a life policy and not an investment, then you can continue to do these benefits. So the most that I can put in the policy that I just started per year is 65 grand, right? And, and, and I call it, uh, I, uh, infinity. So what I'm doing is I'm actually showing people they're going to be able to look back like it's a, a, my actual baby. Oh, I love and they're going to see it grow from zero dollars to multiple millions. Uh, years from now, people are going to be able to look, look at because what I do is I keep the last four digits of the policy number available so people can see it's the actual same policy. Yeah. So for that segment of society that needs it, I'm going to show it to them because there are two things that can happen 20 years from now. I could look back and say, I told you so, which I think that's a real low vibration yeah. way of moving. Yeah. Or I can get over it, show people one of my policies, like actually show the cash growing, because that's what they say they need to see some of them, mm -hmm. actually show it and get a couple people to come on. Because the way the world works is no matter how articulate I am, no matter how charismatic I am, there's still only 1% of people that's gonna take over on this opportunity. Yeah. No matter what, that's just, and, and you know, that's one of the, you know, when people say that this is a simulation, it's funny how <laughs> when marketing, you, you reach 10 people, three people call you, one people sign up. How, how does that happen every time, right? Every time, Every yeah. time, so no matter how charismatic or articulate or what facts I show people, only 1% on average of the society is gonna actually take advantage of this, but, 20 years from now, I'm going to be able to say I tried. I love that. I love that. I, I, this podcast is going a little bit long, but it's great. So if you oh, got yeah. I me, mean, you flew here for it. So I'm going to pick your brain if you don't mind. Our other one rescheduled. There's no reason not to Man, just they, continue to yeah, give they, as much on as we they can. They tried to get me on Zoom. I said, no, I'm flying out there. I, and I'm grateful <laughs> you are because I'm like, now we're here having a great time. Mm -hmm. But we've talked. We've thrown out some big numbers for some people, right? To talk about like, oh, I put in 65 grand. I'm like, I put in 60. Yeah. I would hate for people out there that maybe don't have access to five figures to mm -hmm. think that they do have to sleep on this opportunity and that they can't be building their future and their legacy with the income that they do have. Because that was one of the things for me, you know, the first, my, my financial advisor called me a couple of months ago, or actually, well, I guess it was that policy he was talking about. So by a couple months, probably almost 12 or nine or whatever it's been ago. <laughs> But I really, I really didn't know that much about, I just trusted the guy and he was like, Kimba, I got this thing. And I was out of town moving quick. And I go, you know what, man, I got a thousand bucks a month you can play with. What's up? Do it. Okay. Just yeah. whatever you think. I got a thousand bucks a month. Mm -hmm. You can have it. And um, he said, okay. And he set me up this policy. But what I didn't realize at the time was how little I truly could have 
started mm -hmm. with to be able to say a couple hundred dollars a month or you know yeah. I would hate for people to think that they have to even have a thousand a thousand dollars a month or sixty thousand dollars a month what would your advice be for somebody like when is it time when do I know that when do I have enough money to open one of these accounts when can I afford to invest in my future how much money do I need to have before I call Randolph because like we're talking about people have these self-limiting beliefs yeah. where they're like I can't afford to buy a house. Amanda deals with that all the time, right? They're like, they don't think they can buy a house. Mm. She has to go in and show them their yeah. options and make them believers. Mm -hmm. So for people in this space, it's like, if I'm out here and I'm listening to this podcast right now, who do I need to be? What are my qualifications to call you, Randolph? Like, do I have enough for you to help me out, man? Where can we start? And I'm glad you did that because with, with the circles that I run in, it's so easy to start getting into the thousands and hundreds of thousands and not realize that, you know, there are segments of society they're not there yet. They they will be there yeah. uh, when they keep going, but they're not there yet. So I would say, as an adult, I would say the minimum is approximately about five hundred a month. As an adult, doable. However, if you have children, which I think that's the biggest opportunity, you can be at a hundred dollars a month. Now, j just to break this down, because once again, uh, they say. Uh, Past performance is no indicator of what's going to happen in the future, right? That's that's something that people say, but what else do we have to go off of, right? Are we just going to reinvent the wheel every year, or are we going to go off what's been happening for over 100 years? So if the indexes do what they have been doing for a long time, if somebody were to put $100 a month into one of these for their child, the youngest that you can get one of these started on a child is 15 days. If somebody were to put $100 a month for a child for the next 18 years, that's it, and never put nothing in uh, uh, again, now I recommend why not keep going, right? Yeah. But let's say if all they did was put $100 a month for the next 18 years and stop, that comes to approximately $27,000. If they don't never touch it again, when that child is in their 50s, it's going to be worth over a million dollars in cash value. So just imagine. Like, y'all hear that, kids? Everybody tell mom, thank you. Yeah, I got about 150. Because <laughs> it's, it's, I set see, that up for my kids, too. It's about 150 bucks a month. Just yeah, going see, in it. And it's like a Swiss army knife because a lot of people know about the 529 plans. It, basically, you're able to put money in and it grows tax-free and it pays for your child to go to school. But how do you know that your child wants to, wants go, to, to school? go to school? So yeah. what's going to happen if you've put this money in for years and now your child is talking like, uh, mom, I'm going to follow my heart. Now, it's a different conversation. you to be a musician, now, mom. Yeah, yeah. So, so <laughs> now you're thinking about that money that because the penalties, because what happens is once it's not used for school, then you start getting penalized in tax. So, what somebody could do is get all of the same benefits of putting this money into a properly structured index universal life policy. Now you have money for them to go to school. But, and, and, and once again, because it's the money is growing off the accumulated value for the rest of its life because where a properly structured index universal life policy starts separating itself is when you start accessing money. When you start accessing money from these other type of accounts, it start, the money starts getting lower and lower as far as what you're being able to pull in. When you start accessing money from a properly structured index universal life policy, it's still going to keep making more and more money. Now you have it in your hand. So if somebody wanted to get started, I say $100 for kids a month. It, it, you know That's very easy, very doable. And because the parent is the policy owner, you, you have the access to the living benefits. 
What does that mean? When this child turns 18, you can either transfer the ownership to them or you can understand that as long as this is your child, they're going to come into your house and open your refrigerator like it's theirs. <laughs> and what does that mean? That means you're going to be dealing with their mistakes well past 18. And the reason why a lot of parents get so upset, in my opinion, that their kids aren't going to school or the decisions that they make or when they make a mistake, even though we know that's a part of growth that they're going to make mistakes, is because they're thinking, your mistake is going to cost me money. Yeah. And this money is going to come off of my retirement. What if... You're able to start one of these things at $100 a month for your child to where when they need to go get their first car, you're borrowing it from this. Yeah. When they need to go to school, you're borrowing it from this. Yeah. When they need to uh, buy their first house, you're borrowing it from this. When they're that trying to start their first business, the they're yeah. borrowing it from this. And whenever you die, you, you can leave it in your will or in your trust that now they take the ownership. So, so that's what I see. So to answer your question, I say uh, at the minimum, at least $100 a month for children. For an adult, about $500 a month, minimum. And what we can do is we can set that up as your minimum. We can leave headspace for you to grow because we know you're going to grow. Mm -hmm. We can leave headspace in it for you to add more money. Because the, the, the beautiful things about these policies is there's no limit to how much you can put into it. But if you're structuring it correctly, you end up creating a cap. Once the cap is created, it's locked in. So what happens if you want to? So what usually happens is people start one. They see that as real. Then about year two to three, they start starting two or three of them a year. Right. So as so long two or three of them a year. Yeah. Exactly. Because what happens is now, they, now they're putting it on all their kids because uh, because uh, you can put uh, policies on your children and your grandchildren. You can put policies on your brothers and your sisters, and you can put policies on your parents and your grandparents. If you're a grandparent with uh, grandchildren, and maybe your kids, you know, through no fault of your own, maybe not, they're not is the most. But they suck. Yeah, maybe right. <laughs> as a grandparent, you have the same right to put a policy on your grandchild as their parent. Oh, I love that. Without that you know, and, and once cool. again, and you don't even. It's one of those things that their parent can't stop you from putting a policy on your grandchild. So you said you can get a policy on your children, your grandchildren, and then your parents and your grandparents. Mm -hmm. And then your brothers and your sisters. And your brothers and your sisters. The way I look at it is, imagine you standing with a plus sign in front of you. So two, two, two up, two down, left and right. Now, what about an asterisk? Y'all know what an asterisk is? Uh -huh, so, you, so you don't have an inherent insurable interest in your cousins in your aunts and in your uncles, right? That's the asterisk. However, if you are a business owner with W-2 employees, you have an insurable interest in them. So what some business owners do is say, hey, listen, uh, I, I really depend on you. Uh, I consider you a key employee for this organization. Uh, I wanna put a life policy on you. In return, if you stay with me for at least five years, I'll give you a $50,000 bonus. Who's not going to sign that with hopes of getting a $50,000 bonus five years from now? So as the business owner, what you just did was you just found another tax write-off expense that's growing tax-free. You just incentivized an employee to stay with you for at least five years. And whenever you need to pull that money out in the future, you just borrowed it from the policy. 
the policy that you started because you had an insurable interest in them. Oh, wow. That's exactly what he's going to help us set up for the Bell Realty Group. Because I did have something set up very similar to this, but I actually was penalized when I pulled from it, by the way. So mm. I was super bummed to find out about it. Um, but that's what I was telling you at the summit. I'm so excited. Do you We've recall what together. type of policy it was? I don't, because mm -hmm. I'll be honest, I trust a lot of the people that we work with. Mm -hmm. So I do hand them the tools and say, okay, this is what I'm looking for. And my only question was, can I pull this out? And mm -hmm. it was a yes. And so I could pull it out. But you um, didn't know it was penalized. It wasn't until this tax year that I was like, oh. A lot of these people okay. are just salesmen. <laughs> now, I, you know, I don't want to downgrade, but most people in our industry are just salespeople. Sure. We know how to say it with confidence. Uh, anybody ever heard the term con man? Yeah. Do you know what con is short, short for? Is it confidence? Yes. A lot of people don't know that. Con man is short for confidence man. Somebody who's able to talk with confidence to you. There's only one uh, caveat with the people that I work with. You have to be willing to be educated. I don't want to work pe with people who just want to put their head in the dirt. Amen. You have to be willing for me to educate you and show you why and how this is working. Yeah. As long as you're willing to do that, let's go. Now, there are going to be some concepts that, right? Mm -hmm. Right? Yeah. But yeah. the basics, I just want to make sure you understand why it works, how it works. And uh, I keep a team of people, but if something were to happen to me, uh, God forbid that you at least know what we got started. You know the foundation to keep going. Yeah, I love that. I love that too. I have one more thing that I want to I want to get, get from it. your brain before we let you go today, Randall. Where the babies come from? Because you said uh, I thought you knew this. <laughs> I'm going to be honest with you. At our last teen event, I did have that conversation with the child. <laughs> we did. He cornered me in the parking lot and told me that babies come out of mommy's tummies. And I said, well, that's not exactly where they come out of, man. And he goes, what? And I go, go ask your mom. And he's like, mom. Yeah, mom, you lied <laughs> to me. Where do babies nah, come out she of? She just omitted a little bit of the truth. <laughs> yeah, super funny. Um, no, but you said you said a very beautiful word a second ago, and this is one of the things that I have got to get you to set up for me. Like, mm. I don't even know I can let you leave Texas mm. before we go inside and set you. this up today. I'm licensed in Texas. But it's a trust, right? Mm -hmm. But you said the word trust, and I just want to, we don't have to spend a lot of time on it because people can contact you, and we've been chatting. Alex has done raised a sign up on me three times. Let uh -huh. me know that we <laughs> Uh -huh. I'm like, appreciate it. So I know we went over our normal podcast time, but this is just such valuable information mm -hmm. that people do not talk about enough yeah. where your average Joe, I guess, has access to it, right? Yeah. Like a lot of people just don't sit around and hang out with financial advisors mm -hmm. all the time. So here we are. But to set up a trust, right? So for myself, we're a blended family. So my husband and mm -hmm. I have no biological children together. I came in with two boys. He came in with a girl. Mm -hmm. We've been building our business and everything that we have has came since since we've been together. Mm -hmm. So getting a trust there to protect our assets, to be able to control this in the event that something mm -hmm. happened to both of us at the same time or whatever may happen, to know that the trust is going to be managing the property for my children mm -hmm. and that it won't go to, I mean, and, and no offense, cause I do love my co-parenters, but it's one, I don't really want them to have access to everything that, yep. you know uh -huh. what I mean? I don't want my kids to. Mm -hmm. um, and so get, getting those things set up, but would you just, I guess enlighten people out there a little bit about 
when is a good time to set up a trust? Who should set up a trust? Maybe kind of just some basic things that people out there are like, what the hell's a trust, right? Mm -hmm. So that we can just make sure that we drop that little bit of education in there too, because I think next to the index universal life policies being set up properly, yeah people having a trust in place. I know for myself, it's almost keeping me up at night that yeah. I haven't got it in place yet mm -hmm. because of the importance of it. So if you'll just speak a little bit of that, I think that's so important for people oh, yeah. to be able to understand. So everybody, in my opinion, needs in what they call a revocable living trust. Basically means that while you're alive, you're able to make changes to it. You're able to revoke it while you're alive. But once you die, it turns irrevocable and it, whatever your, the rules that you set in place for the trust goes. So to your point, uh, most families are blended families now in the United States. Yeah. And the way we describe that is the last to die wins. What does that mean? Whenever you die intestate without a will, uh, and then, so, so you have, so those two levels, you got wills and you trust. So a will is better than nothing but a trust is better than a will. Uh, a lot of people, they want to avoid probate. What probate is, is you paying attorneys and courts a whole lot of money to decide how to distribute your property. When all you have is a will, it basically guarantees probate. It just lets the judge know what you think should happen. Mm -hmm. But the judge is able to throw it out if they want. Anybody is able to, uh, are able to, uh, uh, contest it because what what you have to do is you have to put your probate and your information up in the newspaper for at least three weeks all right so what a lot of uh states do is they limit probate to about three percent of the assets so that means if you have a five hundred thousand dollar home you you already just set your family up to pay at least fifteen thousand dollars in probate uh fees and all of that right so but let's let's say one person contests when you got a blended family, it y'all could have loved each other like the full house, right? Uh, what, what was the you know uh, all, all those people? Y'all could have loved each other <laughs> like Brady full, Bunch. full house, Brady Bunch, family <laughs> family matters all combined. But when when the monarch dies, usually that's when the stuff hits the fan. All it takes is one contest. Now that three percent limit is removed. Now these attorneys in these courts can charge your family whatever they deem is reasonable and necessary in order to do this. Now, when you have a trust in place, the court don't deal with it. You don't have to put your estate in the, uh, in the newspaper for three weeks. All of it is private. All of it is secret. When you don't, whoever your closest surviving relative is, that's who gets all of your assets. So when you're married in a blended family, who's your closest surviving relative? Spouse. Your spouse. So now your spouse gets everything. So that's that's how when you, you deal with those issues to where uh, you see the kids or the per person who passed away fighting the spouse. It's because legally the kids get nothing, right? So then when that spouse, surviving spouse, passes away, everything goes to their closest surviving relatives. If they didn't remarry, it's going all to their kids. If they did remarry, it's going to somebody you don't even know. <laughs> Right. Yeah. Because everybody wants to go to heaven, but nobody wants to die. And they think if they start talking about this stuff, that means they're going to die tomorrow. No. What you're doing is you're making sure that what you want to happen is going to happen. So I'm able to help people set up trust. One of the main things that uh, I work with people is deciding on if they want uh, equal distribution 
are equal opportunity. If they want equal distribution, basically saying, hey, I got uh, five kids, I want each to get 20% of my estate. Wham, bam, thank you, ma'am, equal distribution. Or maybe they wanna be like the uh, wealthiest families in America and they want their money to go for generation upon generation. That's when they set up an equal opportunity trust saying, hey, if, if you meet these thresholds, you can borrow money from this trust. You can do whatever you wanna do with it as, as long as you pay it back or whatever you can do to get it. And as long as y'all meet these certain criterias, everybody, all of my uh, descendants, all of the people who coming after me, they can access money in my family as long as they meet these certain thresholds. So there are two types of trust, equal opportunity, equal distribution, uh, also revocable, irrevocable. If anybody needs help with either one of those things, I got you. Because once again, if you don't have nothing set up, the last to die wins. And you know, maybe maybe that's Can what you, you want. Mine today, I'll take an equal opportunity trust. One for me, please. Absolutely, <laughs> I got you. I got you. No problem. We do this. Yeah. On a regular basis. I'm so excited. Mm -hmm. Amanda, do you have anything else for Randolph before we let him out of here? I don't. We've I, had him trapped in a trailer for an hour now, and I'm pumped oh, and grateful. Like I seen, I seen this trailer on an episode of uh, SVU. They had to, you know, I'm just joking. <laughs> 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 like this Alex's trailer is pretty cool he's got it all set up if y'all can see this on YouTube we are actually in a built-out podcast trailer nice super nice it's super mm -hmm. great um hey, did you have anything else sister I'm sorry no ma'am mm. yeah. all right we appreciate you so much for, tell everybody that. where you flew in from from Jacksonville Florida I'm Florida man I'm the quintessential Florida man so but I'm, I'm able uh to work throughout the United States I actually just got my um uh remote online notary certification to where I can, uh, I help people throughout. So if, if I'm helping you, I can notarize your documents anywhere in the United States uh, nice. from, from Florida. So a lot of the documents that I help people set up require notary. And usually when they're in my vicinity, I'm able to help them out. But now, uh, let's say if we start working together, you in Texas, I can, I can do a remote notary for you whenever you need something. So yeah. That's awesome. Mm -hmm. yeah. Well, thank you so much for flying in with us to be here in person. This is so much fun. I love it. And nope. Randolph, can you share with everybody where they can get in contact with you? They need to be able to set up some of these trusts and some of these accounts. Where can they find you? Absolutely. Uh, you can go to uh, shieldwolfstrong.com. That's S-H-I-E-L-D-W-O-L-F-S-T-R-O-N-G.com. You can call my office at 904-467-7750. Uh, so that's basically where you can find me, shieldwolfstrong.com, or you can call that number. Uh, look forward to talking to all of y'all. I love it so much. So you guys know exactly where to find Randolph. When and if you need him, I say give him a ring sooner versus later and pick yeah. his brain. And you guys know what to do. Keep this podcast, share it, spread the movement with your friends and family. Let's get the message out to as many of our favorite people as possible. And don't forget to like and follow for more. We'll see you guys soon. Bye.